Salutations, gangsters. Uh, it is Monday. The weekend from hell is over. And I am off to a glorious start. It's been about three months since I trained anybody at work and I forgot how much faster it goes when there's two of us. We just did a 14 hour route in nine hours. Feels so good. Also, my interest in Colts football is going back up now that we've got a quarterback. Just about an hour ago, they signed former Atlanta Falcon Matt Ryan to a contract. So that's good. He's a better option than Carson Wentz. That's for dang sure. Now the only question is, who are we going to lose to in week one? Because that's what we do in Indianapolis. But I digress. Today I want to talk to you about a book called The Island, and also a movie called No Relation. It is merely coincidental that both of these things ended up in my creative brain on the consumption side at the same time. I was scrolling through YouTube or something and it made a recommendation for a movie because they've got movies you can buy or rent and some of them are free and 2005's The Island was one of them. It was uh, a Michael Bay flick starring Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson just as she was starting to hit her adult years. I think she was 21 when that movie came out. She probably was like 20 when it was filmed. Hollywood was doing that creepy thing where they grab a 20-year-old actress and a 35-year-old man and they make out because men are monsters that crave young flesh. Am I right, Jeff Winger? But yeah, that was right around the time she started landing more... <laughs> I don't mean to say adult roles in that sense, but more grown-up roles. I think uh, the last thing that I'd seen her in before that was Eight-Legged Freaks, where she was hilarious because... <laughs> She played the sheriff's daughter. The sheriff was also a lady. And uh, <laughs> the sheriff was constantly trying to warn her against uh, premarital relations, as the sheriff had done when she was a teen. And then later in the movie, the boyfriend's trying to put the moves on her, and she ends up having to tase him in the huevos. And she's like, ah, I can't believe my mom was right. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> but I digress from this digression. The island shares a plot with a movie that was so bad it was on Mystery Science Theater 3000 back in the 80s or 90s. Uh, in fact, I think Michael Bay got sued over that, which is probably more of a legal thing than uh, an actual merit thing. I mean, should it be against the law to take a plot from an MST3K movie and make a cool version of it? I say no. Vote for me. The premise is basically that there are rich people who are so rich that they can afford to have themselves cloned so that if they ever get a terminal diagnosis or something, as long as it's not the brain, they have a perfect match of a, uh, of a genetic donor so that they can uh, you know, have a, a pancreas or a kidney or a heart or whatever replaced. Like, not only do you have... A, a, a spare organ you have one that your body will not reject but the main character is uh, a guy who is one of these clones and he wakes up to what's going on 
because the clones have to be kept alive. They have to be kept viable that way. And so they've got to be controlled with stories and mass media propaganda, and they are punished if they do not accept the mass media propaganda, and they are controlled by being told that there is a nasty, evil, worldwide contamination, and if they go outside, they'll catch it, but there is a safe place where they get to go, and as long as they do absolutely everything that they are told and do not deviate and do not rebel and do not question everything, it'll all be fine. Whoa, what the hell? (laughs) Isn't it strange, Charlie Brown? Isn't it strange? Anyway, uh, cool cool movie on its own. Cool, especially that it's a Michael Bay movie because, like, there's a story in it and, like, acting. And there's Scarlett Johansson, but she's not a stripper. I'm pretty sure there is a stripper somewhere in the movie because it is Michael Bay. But there's, like, flying jet ski, jet bike thingies, and Jaimin Hunsu is in it, and Michael Clark Duncan, the notorious MCD, may he RIP. Ah, it's, it's a good piece of mid-2000s cinematography. It does everything that it is supposed to do, and it does it well. I, I enjoy that flick. Now, the Gary Paulson novel, The Island, has nothing to do with the movie The Island. This is... This is surely one of his more literary works. And the more of his books that I read, the more I see uh, kind of repetitive themes or repetitive elements. Uh, not that I mind that, because I think the elements are very worthwhile. The, the themes are beautiful, and they are definitely a place where I love to spend time in my head and in my heart. I was actually surprised that certain things weren't present in the story that tend to be kind of staples of Gary Paulson novels because they are staples of his life. The story focuses on a 14, 15 year old boy named Will Newton. His dad works for uh, the highway department in Wisconsin and they get transferred from Madison, big city, to uh, a small town kind of in the middle of nowhere out in farm country. Um, and he's got to learn you know, how to move at, uh, at the pace of this small town, Will does. And as he's biking around and getting a feel for the lay of the place, he notices there's a lake, and in the middle of the lake there's an island. And he starts to get kind of infatuated with the idea of just going out onto the island, having a place to himself out there. He borrows a minnowing boat that's kind of there on the shore, and just takes it and and goes and he he observes nature he observes animal behavior and realizes that book learning is it's no replacement for first-hand learning you know in book learning you can only read things that somebody else wrote down and your only hope is to either agree with them or you got to go disprove it through first-hand experience Paulson has talked about this sort of thing in interviews over the years. Uh, I remember one book in particular where on the audio version he mentioned that, maybe it was before, I I don't know, maybe it was print, but he mentions that he was on a radio show somewhere uh, after having spent some time in Alaska and while he was out kayaking he saw these two orcas playing by tossing a dead seal back and forth. And 
I guess the radio show got a bunch of angry calls in there telling him that he was wrong, that, that orcas wouldn't do that because that's mean or, or what have you. And Paulson was kind of surprised. He's like, you're, you're trying to impose human morality on, on nature. You know, we call these creatures killer whales. They behave as they behave. Seals are food. They were playing with their food. They were playing with each other. Orcas are big dolphins. They play. That's where they get amusement. It's not good or evil. It just is. You know, with, with humans, it's different. But with animals, that's how it works. And that has a lot of weight and validity coming from Gary Paulson because everything that he knows about nature is stuff that he experienced firsthand. He went out, he observed, and he learned it. I suppose that's a hazard for me with all of the reading that I do because it's just reading. Sometimes it can be entertaining and it can be enlightening, but if I go out and I experience something firsthand in the real world that runs contrary to what I've read in a book, well, what am I going to believe? Something that I actually lived through or witnessed or something that somebody else told me about it? Food for thought. But anyway, as Will spends more time on the island, he has a hard time conveying his thoughts and his emotions to his parents who don't understand what he's doing out there. There's a local girl named Susan who somewhat understands what he's doing, or at the very least is supportive of it when he goes out there and she brings him food and he learns about her, he learns about her parents, he reflects on his own parents, he reflects on his grandmother, and he, he tries to convey everything that he feels in his memories about his grandmother through the written word and through painting. And it's all about trying to capture truth, the things that he has seen and experienced and knows to be true. I thought this book was a beautiful undertaking by Paulson. It was a beautiful effort to show why people pull away from civilization as it were and go kind of retreat to nature and retreat to the old ways of just observing to learn rather than you know, accepting the uh, publicly and popularly uh, accepted facts. The afterword which in the audio version included an interview with Gary Paulson was especially moving because he explains how he wrote this book for his son who used to do things like this and resisted Gary's efforts to correct it and control it and Gary for his money was realizing like just because <clears throat> just because I am his father doesn't mean that all of my instincts are right you know if he wants to do things his own way but I want him to do things my way that doesn't necessarily you know, make me right just because I'm his father. Like, you know, I've got a reason with him. I've got to understand what it is he wants and you know, not try to make him turn out like me. It's that particular mindset that makes me think I might not have enjoyed this book as much before I had become a father, you know, nearly a decade ago now. But as I try to raise my boys and teach them things that matter, I find myself relearning that lesson over and over again. You know, I, I can't control them and, you know, I, I should want to teach them the good things that I have learned, 
but try not to make them turn out exactly like you. Try to let them be themselves. Just teach them right from wrong. Teach them independence and self-sufficiency. But they don't have to be clones or copies of you. That's okay. You know, they're free to find their own path the same way that you would want to find your own. Anyway, beautiful book, as ever, by Gary. So check out The Island by Mr. Paulson. Okay, so what's this week going to look like? Um, I started Servants of War by Larry Correa and Steve Diamond. It's a new release from Bain. And I've got to say, um, I'm going to struggle through this one, not through any fault because of the book, but because, as I mentioned last week, um, I, it's just hard to, uh, to train somebody to be good at this job, which is what I'm supposed to be doing right now, and also be constantly turning an audiobook on and off. So this week's going to be for, for lighter fare, lighter listening, you know, podcasts and stuff because it's easier to disengage from that and go back to my job and then yeah but that's fine i've read an average of nine books a month all year so far not really in keeping with uh, my initial desired pace but as stated before i don't really care uh anyway i've gotten a little bit more writing done on howling wilderness not as much as i wanted for for this month but uh, i'll pick at it a little bit tonight and um I'll probably take a break from that to write the script for my next uh, YouTube video, which will cover everything about Quixote in depth that I want to say. That's it for now. That's my two cents. Drive safe. See you out there.